plugged my throat, I'll start again. Hi, and welcome to the Ask Sue Show. Hope you're okay. Hope you're having a great weekend. What have you been doing this lovely day? Has it been sunshining or has it been raining? Well, in the UK, without fail, we've had rain. Um, yes, of course, you were expecting that. And hailstones as well to come with it. Uh, so I hope you're all having a good day. Um, of course, we are having the good old open mic tonight. So if you've got something you want to ring in about, whether it's, I don't know, let's have a think. Maybe it's you're not having a good day today. Maybe you're just not having a good week. Maybe you're feeling a bit sad about something. Maybe you're feeling happy about something. Maybe there's a birthday you want to shout out about. Maybe there's somebody you just want to say hello to. Whatever it may be, uh, you know, come and say hello. Come and you know, see what it's all about. Maybe you want, you've never heard of the Asu show before and you want to give us a call in and just come and say hello and, you know, tell us all about, you know, we're animal advocates, we're spiritual, we like a laugh and a joke. And I can honestly say just before the show, I was in tears with laughter. Yes, I was on the phone with Kathy, of course. And we were just laughing our heads off about um, a program and all sorts. And we were having a really good giggle. So, you know, I just thought that today we could have a little bit of a rest day. Do you know what I mean? We could have a laugh and a joke and, um, you know, just, I don't know, just co- connect people, really. Do you know what I mean? So, talking of connections, funny but serious, <laughs> young and now I can honestly say a Tots TV fan, it's got to be Kathy. Hi, how are you doing, Kathy? Hi, sir. How, how are you? How's everybody in the listening audience today? Well, I, I'm really glad to say that we've got people in the chat room. Woohoo! Well done, Talk Talk Radio. And also, Yay. we've also got people on the phone lines as well already. Oh, fantastic. Oh, this is great. So, I've had some So I would problems. like to personally thank Blog Talk Radio for finally sorting it all out and give me a radio that's actually working. That's just, what can I say? We've already got lovely people in the chat room, all ready for some fun and laughter and seriousness, all rolled into one, which they always get with us, don't they, to be fair? Absolutely, absolutely, and it's Saturday too, so everyone's enjoying the weekend. I'm anxious to get some phone calls coming in here. Oh yeah, so so shall we just see what who's online and let's see what we're going where they want to take the flow of the show. Let's get this party started. Oh, I think that was lovely how you said that. Oh, go on then, why not? Let's have a little. I mean, to be fair, I think you nearly weed yourself about five minutes ago, so you know. You're all ready for the rest of the show. Let's carry on. Um, listen, if, if people right. only knew how often we talk and how you make me laugh, I declare you get the giggles and I get the giggles. Well, if they behave themselves, we might do them a little t- bit of Tots TV later, but only if they behave. <laughs> right, area code 503. Hi, welcome to the Madhouse. How are you doing? Are you Hello? talking to me? Are you talking to me? I am, yes, indeed. Oh, I'm good, I'm good. I ran my errands and did my run and walked Angelo, and I haven't showered, so good thing you guys can't smell me from there. <laughs> well, actually, I thought <laughs> my nose was tingling slightly. but I didn't have enough time to do anything but make my uh, fruit smoothie so I could get some nourishment. <clears throat> you know, as <laughs> vegan people, we have to, we have to stay nourished. That sounds good. Absolutely. So, so, so whereabouts? Go ahead. This 
this is just a, a talk about anything and everything show tonight. So first of all, we need to, because I'm from the UK, we always ask, what's the weather like with you? In the U.S., in Portland right now, it's warm but um, overcast. So Good, good, that's good. I feel at home with you already. If it's overcast, that's it. I'm, I'm settled with you. It's okay. Better than rain. <laughs> right. So, were you ringing in for? <clears throat> oh, hold on a minute. You were doing a, a check to make sure you can get in, okay, weren't you? I've just realised. Dealing. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Were you were you ringing in for um, anything else? Was there anything you wanted to um, bring to our attention? Because there's a, quite <clears throat> quite a few groups that you deal with, isn't there? If you're talking to McKenna, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I've got my hands in a lot of different things. I'm, you know, factory farming, crush, which we talked about earlier. Um, dealing with trying to out bad people and get them out of the movement and, of course, you know, being creative and trying to educate other activists on dealing with pain and anger. I do a lot of mentoring privately with uh, activists that seem to think that voicing, killing abusers is an appropriate way to reach people and, unfortunately, I think it, it undermines the whole concept of being compassionate and loving, regardless of the abuses that we see. So, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place a little bit. McKenna, Sue was telling me earlier how interesting the things are you're involved in. For those who don't know what CRUSH is, uh, Sue and I do, of course, and and a lot of people in the room do, but can you explain to these people... um, you know, suitable for radio, exactly what what we're talking about here, what what you're informing us about. I can do that very easily for you. I'm going to bring up my crush page, too, and pull up the about so I can just reference a couple of specific things. Um, basically, what crush is, is it's animal pornography and animal snuff. So you put pornography and snuff together. Those consist of animals being used Baby, like small dogs, cats, guinea pigs, rabbits. Rabbits are highly used in this particular practice. And what they're used for is they have women who are normally underage dressed in stilettos and scantily like like lingerie. And they make videos of these women stomping very slowly on these animals with their stilettos and killing them very slowly while men gratify themselves sexually. Mm-hmm. And it it began in Germany, then it moved to the Asian countries, and now it's very uh, huge in the Russian black market mafia, multi-million dollar industry. We, mm-hmm. in 2010, December, December 10th, 2010, Obama passed uh, the law which... Elton Galegli of California helped Marla Stormwolf Patty and Anthony Diamano, both Stop Crush and Ayala, get that law written and pushed through. And at one point, it fell through, and Elton Galegli, the, the uh, congressman, stepped mm-hmm. away, and Marla, Marla stood up and said, oh, hell no, 
And she pushed and pushed and finally got that law attached as a federal, uh, as a law, and it's a federal crime with seven years per count. To give you an idea of what we're dealing with since that law has been passed, if you guys, I don't know if you're on Facebook a lot or you've seen the post that's going around in the petition regarding the judge that oh, yes. made the ruling on the Texas couple that were found guilty of crush and were brought up on charges and were indicted and were found guilty. He oversaw the case and decided that their crimes fell under our First Amendment free speech. So right now we're petitioning and Marla's working on writing up, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Dang it, there's a name for what you write up. Hang on. She's writing up an amicus brief to uh, get to the appellate court so that way we can fight this and appeal that ruling. This judge was seated by Reagan back in the day. He's been on the bench for 25 years. And I don't think he did any research to really understand what crush is because basically by him ruling that it's free speech, he's also ruling that the sexual exploitation of the young girls that have been sold yeah. into this industry are also, it's free speech to um, exploit young underage girls into sexual slavery. And it all it's all tied together. Crush and the sex trade are very much um, in bed with each other. Yeah, I think I'm saying that right, basically. I mean, I know it's kind of a well, pun. You but are. In fact, you, that's, that's a wonderful explanation. In fact, I saw that judge's article um, that you just mentioned and the petition you're talking about last week, and, of course, I Good. found it without hesitation. Absolutely, and I shared it, too, which we all know is very, very <coughs> important to share all this information. Um, and continue. Petition. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're doing a wonderful job. Gosh. And I didn't mean to dominate. The, the petitions do work, um, and a lot of people are like, oh, what's a petition going to do? You know, the petition got the ag-gag bill pulled in Sacramento mm-hmm. a week mm-hmm. and a half ago. Uh, when uh, five other states, Utah, Iowa, Kansas, Montana, and uh, North Dakota, have all got ag-gag laws. That's because they were not fought hard enough in those states. I mean, I'm sure a lot of activists did, but California is huge, and the AR movement in California is massive. I spent a lot of time in L.A., and I'll tell you, when they do protests, you get like 100 to 200 people at a protest, not the five and six that I get That's here. That's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So, I mean, if you have anything you'd like to add based on what you've learned about Crush, a lot of people, because it is such a gross depiction of humankind, and their behavior, a lot of people are really freaked out about even hearing about it, even activists. So, well, you know, it's... You know, ahead. McKenna, I, I, told, I told grown men that the things we see every day could bring a grown man to their knees. I mean, yeah. and, and, the, and the images that you're speaking of here are these very images that I'm referring to. Um, bestiality also has been a huge oh, yeah. problem. I mean, there are only 13 states in this country that even have charges against bestiality, and it's a misdemeanor. Go explain yeah. that. To, I mean, really, uh, politicians, explain that to me so I understand. Um, and I believe they made, they did make the brothels in Germany, or at least parts of it, uh, illegal as of recent. 
And, um, and McKen, I'm sure you know about the orangutan pony. Yes, I do. Yeah, I yeah, do. So, hey, yeah. you can't tell you, there's probably nothing I haven't heard about. I mean, yes. it, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the systemic nature of the atrocities that, perpetu- that are perpetuated statewide, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, nationwide, but state to state, the fact mm-hmm. that there's more concern about pot smokers and oh, where they're it. Then, then there is about bestiality and rape. I mean, and I'm talking, I mean, we're not only about animals, and you know that. We're about humans because without helping the human condition change, there's no way in hell we're ever going to reach getting any help to animals. We need humans to, to change in order to help the animals. It's, it's yeah. a chain reaction. I mean, there's, and, you know, when everybody, my biggest pet peeve with activists is get off your, your angry soapbox. Yeah, we're all angry, mm-hmm. but quit writing about it when you're trying to reach the layperson who comes across your post and has never seen or heard of what you're speaking of, and yet you want them to hear you when you're saying, oh, kill that fucking hunter, pardon my French. But it's like, yeah. I don't want to And so I've, I've, I've been, and Sue and I were talking about this earlier, I refuse to allow that on my wall, and my friends, all 4,000, know that I don't allow the C word because oh. that's, that's demeaning to women, and I don't want to hear it. I don't care if you're a woman saying it. It doesn't matter to me. I don't want to hear it. You know, you can say shit. You can say the F word. You can say ass. You can say, but I don't want to hear the twat. I don't want to hear the C word. I don't want to hear you talking about killing abusers. That doesn't no. reach any. That makes us look just as lame and pathetic <clears throat> and cruel as the people we're fighting to stop. Exactly, and, and it's like I said before. You know, we had, um, you know, we've had the, you know, we've been talking about the police because the dogs they've been shot by the police and everything. You know, and you, the, the amount of abuse that you get, you know, to the police for it, and it's like, whoa, hold on a minute. You know, again, here we are blaming the police. They are doing their job, but why is the government not put in place training to protect the police and to protect our dogs? You know, there could be a guy that's absolutely petrified of dogs, but he really doesn't understand them because he's not been trained. Why is any police officer put out there who is not fully trained for anything that he's going to come against? Can I ask you a question about that, too? Um, Yeah. I mean, think about this for decades, for decades. Uh, Utility workers, postal people, meter readers. How many years have they been going into people's yards with family dogs and they never had to carry a gun. So why is it all of a sudden that these police think they have the right to shoot family pets just because, at least, I mean, because of a breed or because yeah. they wag their tail or because they take two steps forward to the police officer? Come on. Yeah. I mean, what kind of training? Uh, they have exactly. none. But the thing is, at the moment, because we haven't given them no training, that also gives them a way a bailout as well. So don't get me wrong, I'll sit here and I'll say about the one that was right by the garage door, I can never remember the name, but the one that was by the garage door, instead of just leaving the dog in the garage, no, they tempt it out and then they shoot it. Why didn't they just shut the door, put a note through the front door and say to the owner, uh, we've shut your dog in the garage, it was running loose, it was being a bit of a nuisance, but we've shut the door, um, can you please let us know when you return home? That particular dog, Sue, was Chloe, and they cornered yes. her in that garage. You're now, right. now mm-hmm. the only thing that that police officer needed was training of common sense. 
Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, because they, those police officers have not been trained, all they have to do to protect themselves is say, I was defending myself. They get away with it every single time because the government and everybody else has not trained them to do it. So we, we as the public, have got nothing to say. We can't do anything, really, because they just turn around and say they were feared for, fearing for their life. That's how they get away with it every single time. So until we all stand together and start communicating with each other, and like you said just before, you know, about uniting and not not having a go at each other and putting all this back on the back burner and let's get the real stuff out there, start uniting and starting to make changes. You know, it's blatantly obvious and it doesn't need to be rocket science to realise that no adult should be do or children or anybody should be doing anything like that to animals, and it doesn't matter what's wrong with them. It should not be allowed, end of. And they should be either, you know, put into somewhere where they get help for whatever problems they've had in their past, or they Mm -hmm. need to be locked up, one of the two. And parents need to remember that children do as they see. So as a mature adult or as a, a young family or whatever, you know, think about your actions, because people have, um, gotten this attitude of having a disposable society. Everything is disposable. I was speaking with a friend earlier today. When is the last time most families actually sat down and had dinner together around the table? And no no technology, no cell phones, no iPads, no nothing. And they actually had to converse. <laughs> but not have to, but do it because they want to. How long has it been since the typical American family has done that? So kids come home and... Um, you know, there's no one there, and they do their homework, and mom's stopping by the gym, or dad's gone somewhere, and and we and, and tending to forget about the family, or not forget about the family, but you know, the priorities are, are in different places. Um, people have forgotten to be kind to one another in general. Just you know, a stranger passing on the sidewalk or something. So everything you're saying, um, it all this works together. Animals, people. We all need to take care of each other too, and that's yeah. not being done in the world. The world's a sad place. Nation well, against no. nation. But if you but think you about it, you... sorry, Go ahead. carry on. Go ahead, hon. It was okay. Well, carry on. Carry going. I'm gonna say. I mean, I'm gonna be 52, and I was raised during a well. My my home life was shitty, but I mean, I recall just society-wise, mm-hmm. before technology took off, there mm-hmm. were the playing outside. There was dinner time. There was set standards and ground rules and morals and ethics more so mm-hmm. taught at the, in the home. And it wasn't always mm-hmm. reliant on the teachers in school to be implementing these, these types of character builders that should be stemming mm-hmm. from the dinner table or the time doing mm-hmm. homework. And it should be all specifically done by the parents. If parents were parenting, mm-hmm. which, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a woman, both parents working, it's incumbent oh, no. upon the parents, you know, to take the time to instill those ethics and those morals in their children. I mean, why do you think bullying is still on the rise? I don't care what Obama's wife's been out there spouting. I mean, she's Absolutely. obviously not in it because we have more children killing themselves, most recently a 13-year-old, hanging himself. Oh. You know, we, as a society, you know, Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise you know, our kids, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. it does. And I used to think that was kind yeah. of corny, <clears throat> but 
now that I've become an activist, I, I see things much differently now because I see the bigger picture and the the, the cause and effect of everything that we've done just by mm-hmm. live the way that we do. Everyone is on remote control. Most families don't live within themselves as an as a unit. They live outside mm-hmm. themselves on how they're going to get to baseball practice and they're going to get to the Walmart to get their shopping done and they're going to get, you know, it, it's just everything is on repeat and remote control. There's not there's the foundation of being a unit, being a family unit that actually communicates and shares emotions mm-hmm. and ideas and thoughts and shares those with neighbors. That's gone. Oh, totally. You and I are about the same age. I'm 56. Generally speaking, however, because I'm sure there's some, you know, you know, areas of the of of the states. I can only speak of the states um, where there are family units that do spend that time around the dinner table. Um, mm-hmm. But then we also deal with a lot of the very strong religious people who are not teaching. You know, um, uh, I don't want to say tolerance because that's not. I don't like that word. That's a bad word in my vocabulary. Um, they're not teaching people to be accepting and understanding of different types of people because they're so hell-bent on their kids following the scripture, which is fine, I suppose, but I'm not one that's, uh, I'm not one that's for religion because they all think they're right and too many have lost what it means just to believe and to have faith in something bigger than yourself, and I'm sure that's a whole other topic, but that's also a part yeah, of <laughs> These are being raised. So even the ones that are home having dinner, a lot of those are very religious-based and controlling environments. So the kids are still not getting, they may be getting that foundation of morals, but they end up acting sideways when they get to a place of freedom, which is usually school, and the behaviors come out there. So, you know, <laughs> aside from me being able to well, I'm tell everybody... Yeah, I have, I, I'm not saying sitting down to dinner every night is going to make a perfect family. I didn't mean that at all. You know, but, but society has become distant. I mean, everything you've mentioned, you know, the technology involved, everything. Yeah, I just didn't want to give you the impression that I was thinking. No, not at all. And it's, it basically okay. comes down to, to one specific thing, communication and listening, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Parents need to talk and they need to listen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and parents are so on the go. Oh, it's all about control, control, control. And children yeah. will never behave if they feel like they're constantly being undermined and controlled and not being able to express themselves. That's just yeah. my take based on my way of life and, and what I've experienced. I've never had a child um, other than my dog, Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> he got potty in a box, so how good am I, right? <laughs> But you know what, I, I've got to, to, to sort of say this on a different side of it, right? And you know me, guys, I always sit in the garden fence. I also look at the fact that how parent is, parenting has changed, okay? Now, I'm, I'm 38, 39 in May, and I've got to say that when I was younger, if I was naughty, my dad gave me a smack on the backside, okay? When I was younger, I thought he was a total ass, and I really wanted to knock his head off. But... I look now and realize that I, I've not touched drugs, I don't smoke, I've not been in trouble with the police, I respect my elders, I've, I've tried to make the world a better place. So did he do so wrong by me, to be fair? 
But the end of the day, now the government has controlled us so much that we now have children coming up to us and saying, if you do this, mum, or you do that, we're going to ring Childline, or we're going to ring this, that, and the other. Do you know what I mean? They've taken some of the respect from our children off us, and they've also stopped us from actually dis- you know, giving, making the respect there by being able to put control lines. Also, we've got the fact that nowadays we can't let our children just run off and play. You know, when we were younger, we used to be able to go down the fields, go and take a few sandwiches, a couple of packets of crisps, and, and mum would probably see us at tea time, and she'd say, where you been? Oh, well, we've been down the river, we've been fishing, we've been out walking, you know, and all sorts, and they never worried about us. They knew we were all together and we were okay. Nowadays, you can't, you know, they can't even let them hardly walk up on the outside the door. And you're saying, how long are you going to be? What time are you going to be back? There's no freedom. There's no, there's no way to expose, you know, find themselves. Because at the end of the day, we're having to control them so much. And like you said yourself, you know, we, we, we've got all this control thing, but that's not letting them release their own powers or making them independent either. No, I agree. I, think, I agree. And I, I feel like I just did a very big rant. Then did I just go for the go for prime minister? Then H R H Sue. Thank you. There's, there's so many ways to look at this, and I believe that every single person, parent or not, has probably a different take um, on what they think makes a good family unit and what will help breed children that that you know, instinctually and inherently can just discern right from wrong. But I really believe that sometimes, and like, you know, Sherry's mentioned on the chat here that she lost her son and they had dinner at the table. And, and, you know, what could she, I mean, what could she have done different? And not knowing her or knowing the, the, you know, what was going on in his life, maybe there was more going on, maybe stuff at school, I don't know. But I'm sure he, he was, that... Sorry, he was actually older, and he was actually, I'm sure Shay won't mind me saying, he was actually bullied by his partner. Oh, no. He was actually older, yes. Oh, so, and Sherry, I can honestly say hand on heart, there is no way anybody is judging you, because at the end of the day, sometimes there is nothing that can be done as far as... Um, you know, he was 31, Sherry's just saying. And at the end of the day, you know, none of us can judge. Sometimes no. when they've got, de- when people have got depression and they've they've seen things or they've dealt with things or whatever it may be, or they've got heartaches or whatever, sometimes we can't control that. Sometimes we don't even know that it's there. We don't even know there's an issue. The first thing we know is when we find out that the ambulance is there because somebody's found them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I can't imagine... I mean, I would assume that Sherry deals with this every moment of every day, the questions, the guilt, um, yes. the the constant aching of, you know, what did I miss? What did I miss? And mm-hmm. I can only say that whenever we deal with the the lack of closure around something that's that devastating, getting therapy and talking through it and trying to just find a way to turn it into something um my my thing is always just remember that when a child takes his life or someone passes away they are around you all Definitely. the time your son is right there with you he's here he's there with you right now knowing that we're talking about him so yes. just be nourished in in knowing that 
whatever it was that made him make that decision, he didn't have any control over. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made that decision. He felt so at a loss, and there was nothing he evidently could have come to you with. Maybe he didn't want to put you in a position to feel like you had done something wrong, Um, but you're definitely loved by your son, and I don't know how I know that. I just feel that. I mean, when I read that on the chat, immediately it was like, well, he's right there with you. He's just, yeah. you know, and, and I know maybe it's no consolation and you don't know me, and but I just, you don't have to meet people face-to-face to feel their pain or to know that they're, to know or let them know that they're loved. And that's the problem I get emotional because that's the problem that I feel is wrong with our society is that we just, we're so self damn self-absorbed that we walk around in our tunnel vision about me, 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 instant gratification. And when things like this, having this kind of a of a venue to be expressive, it's, it's paramount that people feel that love, to know that we don't, yeah. I don't have to walk up to your door and, and shake your hand to let you know that, you know, I have love to share with you. I have energy and positive nourish, nourishing exactly. energy that I can, you know, spiritually send to you. People yeah. just have to be open to receiving that. And I don't know, well, Sherry, are you able to talk on the phone? Are you? Do you know are what, you, um, McKenna? We've actually, yeah. myself and Sherry actually met through the phone, uh, through, sorry, through the phone, through the radio. Uh, she rang into my psychic show one night, and I actually gave her a reading about her son. She ended up in tears, and we've ended up very good, um, very good friends, even though she's in America and I'm over in the U.K., and I actually decided that night that I was going to set up her son's Jamie's page because she needed somewhere where she could release her thoughts and t- talk to him, if you like. Do you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. other people could understand what she was, the pain that she was going through, but also so she could release. Do you know what I mean? Now, oh, exactly. And on that morning, she said she was going to work and she was thinking to herself, I'll set up the page and everything. She opened her Facebook and there was her, the page that I'd set up for her and it, it's got her son Jamie's picture on there. And I've got to say that, you know, Sherry has got nothing to be sorry, you know, to be guilty for or anything. She is a beautiful, beautiful person who will help anybody out. She's got a beautiful daughter. And she has really, you know, she's gone through it, to be fair. And she's just absolutely beautiful. She's so, so, so lovely. And I've said to her so many times that her son is always around her because where else would he want to be than by his mum? She's beautiful. Oh, absolutely. She's so beautiful. Bless you, I'm just glad that she had you and that you were able to be a catalyst to help her get that page going. I would like to connect on it. Is it on Facebook? It is, yeah. It's in the chat room. The link's in the chat room. Oh, crap. Did I miss it? My bad. I'm staring at my instead of at the chat. Oh, there it is. Got it. Okay. Um, McKenna, just hold the line one minute. I'll just stay there. I've still got you on. I'm just going to bring an, our good friend in. I can see, bless him, he's been sat there. Hi, Howard. How are you doing? Howard. Where is he? Where did Howard go? I think it's Howard. I got Area it, honey. Code 812? I got, I got the page and sent the request to join the group. Okay. Howard, are you there? Yo, Howie. No, nope, he's not there, bless him. 
but put him back on hold. I don't know where he is. Uh, to be fair, he had been waiting a while. He probably got sick of freaking waiting. Oh. Bless him. I, I was so busy talking, I didn't go back onto the chat, so onto the thing. So, um, I was bloviating a bit. My bad. And, uh, no, I should talk radio show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, carry on. No, it's good. It's really, really good. Um, I'm just going to say to everybody that Sherry's just put in the chat room, Jamie was an amazing man, husband, dad, son, sister, and friend. Isn't that beautiful? Ah, just what a gorgeous man. Looking at his picture, he's just a, a amazingly beautiful man. But, you know, sometimes, oh, God, I guess when we all pass, we'll, we'll have more answers to what goes on on the other side. You know, I do yeah. think that... I do think that we never, I don't believe that we ever leave. I mean, our bodies, our vessels are are gone. Exactly. Our spirit, our You know, I know I've been here before. That's what's really eerie is I definitely know I lived during the 30s. I just, it's it's too much to go into, but I just know I was here. And so I I know that this is my second or third round um, that I'm cognitive of. So um, I believe that he'll be back. I'm not sure, you know, whether it'll be a grandchild, but his soul will come back into the family, I believe. And I think that that's just something maybe to just kind of maybe make you feel better about, I would think, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I haven't suffered tragic loss, so maybe I don't really have a platform to speak from. I just know so many that have, and... I just feel well, their pain. It's almost as though it happens to me when it happens to them. So, yeah, I guess. Well, do you, McKenna, in um, what is it? It'll be 17 years this December. I lost my daughter after two days, and oh. I I carried a full term. She was born on the due date and everything. I hadn't got a clue that anything was wrong. She was born at nine pound one ounce, and. I look now, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I, at the time I was in a mess, I didn't understand it. I can, um, sh- all the main organs weren't formed properly. There was something just not right, you know. It was just one of them things. Mm-hmm. I'd had all the scans. They never picked up anything at all. Um, she was the biggest baby in the special care baby unit. And she unfortunately passed away. There was nothing that they could do. You know, it was too much. But now... After all these years, I mean, I, I will quote something that at the time when my, I was waiting for my dad to come to the hospital, the person I wanted to see was my dad, you know. And he came and he said, Sue, he said, what am I supposed to say to you? What am I supposed to do? What, scream at me, shout at me, whatever you've got to do, you know, come on, you know, tell me. And I sat there for a couple of seconds and I looked at him and I said, Dad, it's December and I've been waiting nine months for Father Christmas to come and he's come with an empty sack. That's how I feel. He sat there with tears rolling down his face, and he said, Sue, you'll get through this, you know. And at that time, I thought, you're talking crap. What on earth? And if it doesn't prove to me anything, my daughter came here, and she sacrificed her life for me to realize that life is too short. She made me realize that the relationship that I was not in was not not acceptable. I left there. I had my eldest daughter, obviously, already. She was a year old, Kimberly. And she made me realize, you know, I've got to keep fighting. It was Christmas um, when we got back home, um, obviously with no Kaylin because she passed. We got back home to Christmas cards mixed in with celebration cards mixed in with sympathy cards. 
and we got an over-decorated Christmas tree, and we were supposed to do Christmas. On Christmas morning, I got up and I said, right, Kaylin, I don't mean to be funny, but, you know, Christmas, we've got to let this be Kimberly's day. You know, it's going to be a special day. It's Kimberly's proper first, if you like, real Christmas. And we sat there, and I passed through a first present, and the first present that we opened was exactly the same teddy bear that was buried in my daughter's grave. Exactly the same. I've never seen the teddy bear since. It was exactly the same one. And I looked up to the ceiling and I said, okay, I get it. You want to join Christmas. Be part of it. You're with us. And honestly, I have never seen that teddy bear since. And my cousin didn't even know that we'd buried that teddy bear in the grave. And when I told her, she said, Sue, I didn't realize. And I said, I know you didn't realize. You know, but it was something that connected, and it was like, oh, my goodness, it was just, you couldn't have you couldn't have put that if you wanted it, do you know what I mean? But yeah, you made yeah. me realize that life is too short, and, you know, mm-hmm. that I've got things that I wanted to do. I've spoken to loads of people that have lost babies. People say to me, how did you cope? And I said, but I was able to hold Kaylin for two days. I was lucky. Mm-hmm. There was there's people that have had miscarriages and all sorts, you know, they've lost their children to cot death and things, you know. It's bad enough for those that have a miscarriage that never get to hold them, but then it's also bad for the ones that um, get to keep them, you know, like for Sherry, losing them at 30-year-old. Now, you could, that, that's really bad because at the end of the day, she's got to know him, it's a big loss to her, but then she should also be grateful that the fact she did have him for 30 years. Do you know what I mean? So there's yeah. always two, two ways of looking at everything, isn't there? Absolutely. I honestly, I mean, that's when we have experiences like that. Every, you know, I hate the cliche that you know there's a lesson in everything or it happened for a reason. But well, yeah, I believe that it's cliche. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. Everything we experience, if we're paying attention and we're, and I really think it comes down to when people actually love themselves and care about who they mm-hmm. are an arrogant or narcissistic way, but they just truly know who they are and love and care about mm-hmm. themselves, they're yes. able to project that to the people around them, and that always leaves that door open for them to be receiving what's meant for them to see, whether it's bad or good, but they can take a lesson mm-hmm. from everything. And they're usually the kind, you know, almost always people have the ability to turn their pain into something nourishing. And, mm-hmm. and I know it's yep. and I know it's easy something to positive. say. I, but trust me, I've been through a couple of pretty um, life-altering events since 2011, and I had to do a lot of work around it. And, you know, I'm lucky, one, to be alive, and two, my heart's not shattered anymore. So, you know, it, it really takes the it takes the self, loving the self, to come out of, heart-wrenching, just debilitating pain. And and, I, and, and it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I almost lost my way, and I, I remember sitting on my bed with my 22, and I was contemplating just leaving. I was just, I didn't want to feel anything anymore. But after everything that I had been through in my life, I was like, well, that's just, that's effed up. I'm not going to leave now. I've worked too hard to get to where I am. Screw this okay. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a domestic violence survivor and a cancer survivor. Um, oh my God! I know, 
I know those moments you're talking about, um, and I know what it's like to have pain that you can't put into words, but you find a way to come out the other side. And things are so much brighter when you do. And it's not about the material things, and it's not about it's not about anything except being so grateful to wake up and have another day and to love yourself and to find your worth. You know, we're all individuals and we're all unique and we all have something that we can learn from one another. And uh, all those material things that people think are so important, let me tell you something. When you look the yeah. devil in the face and you're fighting for your life, a man much bigger than you, but mm-hmm. you're alive today, and also knowing that six years after he tried to kill you, he shot and killed his own son. And I'm still alive. So there's not a day that I wake up that I can't find something beautiful. And I know the people I've lost in my life are around me. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Terry knows that she's with him every single day, just like we all, just like you and Kayla say, you know, she's here yeah. every single day. And that's yeah. what I think gets me through the days when it's yeah. so dark. There's always but, brightness somewhere. You just got to keep moving, just moving forward, moving towards it. But, love but yourself, you know what the right. other thing is, is that how people run people down about how they grieve, okay? Yes. Now, some people will literally sit in a corner and will not talk and they don't want to speak to anybody. Other people mm-hmm. want to literally go and they want to talk about that person. And other people mm-hmm. want to do something else, okay? I wanted to do something else. I was the one that actually, within, I would say, two, I would say a week, right, a week, two weeks after I lost Kaylin, I decided that, because when, when Kaylin was in the hospital, there was a piece that was needed for a machine that was in the hospital, and it was going to cost £2,000, and it would sit in the palm of my hands. And when I left that hospital, I said to the specialist, I said, I'm going to raise £2,000. And he said, what? He said, you what? He said, you're going to raise £2,000? I said, yes, I'm going to raise my raise £2,000. He said, but why? And I said, because you need that part for that, and that should not be a, a missing part. That should just be there. That that shouldn't be missing. That shouldn't be broken. That should have been just replaced. It shouldn't have even been a thought. So I'm going to raise £2,000 for that. In the March of... I lost Cayman in the December. In the March... I was in the front page of the local papers, and it said, for the love of Kaylin, and I'd organized oh. a barn dance and a, bing, a, a session at bingo, and no, I'm not a bingo fan before all of you Mickey tapes. <laughs> um, but I raised over £2,000, and that was my goal. Oh. And that's what got me through it, was something to take my mind off it and something to achieve and in memory of Kaylin, and I did it. And at the end of the day... That's a beautiful story. That is a, and that mm. just shows. See, I know you so a lot better than most of these people, and you know the listeners in the audience know us through our voice or whatever. But I talk to you every single day, and I'm so honored to have you as my friend, my sister, my daughter, sometimes my mom. You're a beautiful spirit. You're a beautiful soul, and I'm just so glad you're my friend. I really mean that with all my heart. She's a great gal, yeah. everybody. I know y'all love her, but. She's really a super mom and a super gal. We just met okay. today, and I'm really, really stoked that I've gotten connected with you all. I mean, I'm yeah, I feel, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you know what, McKenna? I, I can actually say, McKenna, even just talk, even though we talked before the show, 
I know talking now, I feel more connected to you than ever. It's so weird. You're oh, no, I... stuff, and it's like I feel like I, it's like oh my god, yeah, I can. You know what I mean? It's quite weird. And do you know what? And what's we I'm always say about people? People are brought into your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but the, you know what I think too is that when people are honest and don't have an agenda that's self narcissistic driven, mm-hmm. you get a real you get a real person. And you know, yeah. and I have I have my flaws. I mean, I'm a bit egotistical when it comes to working out, but that's just because I want to live for a long time. You know, but mm-hmm. those things aside, I mean, when it comes to the heart and the soul, I say what I say, I mean what I mean, and I walk my talk. If I can't, I'll call you and let you know, you know. And I just think that that kind of integrity and humility is paramount, if, especially being an activist. But just generally speaking, mm-hmm. I think I think most people carry that. And I always try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. But I felt as soon as we got on the phone, Sue, that I was like, oh, wow, I feel like I've talked to you before. Mm-hmm. So I felt really <laughs> nervous by that. And I'm, I'm, I just I really thank you a lot for taking all that time, an hour and 24 minutes, by the way. I always look at how long me in to the telephone people, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be a good relationship. And you know what's really amazing as hard as the technology has taken away some of how how our family units work, it's also enhanced, and I think it's a matter of us finding a balance, because I would have never met you if it had not been for the Internet, if it had not yes. been for, you know, for the for the ability to call. You know, these, these tools are real huge pluses in our lives, because the, I'm able to connect with people all over the world I would have never met. I can't travel everywhere. I would have never met the people that I've met. Yes. So, in essence, we mm-hmm. are going through a shift of connectiveness in this world right now. And I really think that the animal rights activist movement mm-hmm. is the core of this happening. I know I know the social networking and posting pictures of your families, people who aren't involved in ARA issues, aren't getting that same experience. But for me, becoming an animal rights activist and going vegan when I did four years ago opened up an entire world to me that I never, ever would have even dreamed or thought of even participating in. So for me, that was divine intervention. That I learned my purpose on that day. And it's, now I feel like I play a role in that shift that's happening, happening globally. Yeah. If that makes sense to you guys. Because mm-hmm. we're all, we're all a part of the shift. And how we, how we think collectively and how we spread that awareness and that education and, and the emotions around why we do what we do, animal and human mm-hmm. related, that that's a, that that has a trickle effect. We plant seeds everywhere, and we just hope that those flowers bloom at some point. And all we can do is stay consistent in our message of love and compassion and peace in the world. And you know, I I wish to God I could live another two hundred years to actually see what this path is going to become. But I don't know. We'll see. Right. <laughs> well, listen, ladies, just, just hold minute. that thought for just a little second. Um, uh-huh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to check the phone lines out, and then obviously I'll be back in a minute. But also, uh, we've got a caller on the line, so let's see who we've got on here. Area code 661. Hi, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Sue, how are you? This is Bob. Hi, Bob, how are you doing? All right, chilling out. Hi, Bob. I can't fault you. (laughs) What's that? I can't fault you chilling out. That's what we're all doing. We're having a little bit of a rant with it, though. (laughs) Hi, Bob, how are you? I'm all right. Nice to hear a man's voice on the phone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah, last time I checked, I'm a man. <laughs> What's going on in your world today? Oh, not much. Just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the universe just hates me or something, to be honest with you. Man, I don't know how to fight it. I'm just like, uh, I don't know, I frustrated. That? Frustrated. What's got you despondent? What, is there some some key issue that's going on that you're struggling with that you want to share, maybe that we can listen to? Uh, yeah, I say social life, love life. I mean, it just seems like you know, anytime I meet a woman, she's the kind of girl that loves to be with an abusive man and can't deal with a, being with a decent guy, and, and they wind up, you know, going to find some jerk that's going to abuse them some more, and then. You know, it's like those guys do really good with women. They they got companionship, and and then a bunch of decent guys don't. And it's all backwards. And you're sitting there looking at it, and you're going, what the heck is this crap here? It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. you start thinking that, you no, know, there's no women on this planet that can make a rational, logical decision or something, man. And I know it's like, obviously, it's painting with way too broad of a brush. But when you see it happening... Over and over and over again, you know. Can, can I address this question? Um, and so, you know, before the show, I was speaking with a, a, a gentleman friend of mine, and I have to say that this is the second man, nice man, that I have heard in the past two hours discuss this very thing right here. And. Uh, um, yeah, and we had some. Sorry, we had somebody in the psychic show who said exactly the same thing as well. So you're not alone. You're not alone, and all I can oh, say I, to you. I, is, I know, I know, I'm not alone because I know like a thousand guys who say the same thing. Yeah. Well, don't change a thing though about being a nice guy. Believe me, don't. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I, I'm I'm not a nice guy. I stopped being a nice guy <laughs> 30 years ago. I'm a good guy. There's a big difference. Yeah, okay. Nice, well, yeah, you're right. Ni- you're right. I stand corrected. You're a good man. Yeah. Um, don't, it's an insult for a woman to, to tell a guy that he's nice. I'm just letting you guys know. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for spreading this out on that one. I don't know if you Put her in the place. <laughs> I won't make that mistake twice. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and I'll never I, I, get a guy named Bob because this could be him, okay? <laughs> I'm afraid I'd never get home that night. He'd drop me off a cliff. <laughs> well, I'm just teasing you. Sue gives my sense of humor. So, and I'm not just making to prove that I'm not nice, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, seriously, I'm very interested in what you have to say, though, because, you know, like I said, I spoke to a nice man before I came on the show. We had a fascinating conversation. and But part of our conversation was this very thing. So I always like to hear your side of the story. I mean, it's not a story. It's the truth. I don't understand why the guys fall for the bad girls, the ones who abuse them. Think about it. It's kind of a, a two-way street there. Because I, I look at these really great guys, and they've got bitches, pardon my language, for wives. And I think to myself, wow, why is that? So, you know, we're going to let you all answer that. <laughs> 
I, you know what? I have I have a I have an answer. I think, and the bottom line is, is that when I hear about things like this, the people mm-hmm. who are walking around getting involved, the bad people who are women, I guess that you can say that are not the easiest to be with and tend to always want a bad bad guy because they don't know how to deal otherwise. That's because they haven't worked on themselves. It all comes down to loving the self. If you don't love the self, you're going to always attract the same shit. And I'm not saying that, Bob, that you don't love yourself. What I'm saying is that all these women are being put into your your path for a reason because there is going to be that one woman that comes along and all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, my God, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the this, and I know it's easy to say, but trust me, I've been through it because I I like women, and I just <laughs> I ended up in a relationship for the first time being in love and had my heart shattered. So I never let anyone in, and the one time I do, it ends up not being the right one. So I wanted to be jaded, and I decided, you know what, screw that. I'm going to focus on what I got out of it, and what I got out of it was the ability to learn to open up and let someone in, and I'm taking I'm taking that as my tool for the next relationship. And so now I really know what to look for, you know what I mean, in the next person that decides that they like me. And I think that you maintain loving yourself and knowing that you're a good guy and that you have great qualities and characteristics to offer another human being. And she'll be presented to you. And you won't you won't see it coming, and then all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, my God, that's the woman that I've been waiting for. And I would just like to ask you to just keep your eyes and ears open and project that self-confidence and that love that you have for yourself, and you'll draw that woman in. What you, the affirmations that you put out, you will get back. And don't waste your time on someone. If you see a flag fly, walk away. <laughs> the first flag, yeah, really, walk like, away. Because you're too good of a guy, and you know, I hear guys. I know a lot of great men. Most of my friends are straight, and I don't really get along with the gay community very well. I don't know why. I don't fit in. <laughs> Never have. Um, but I meet a lot of men on Facebook that I I have you know personal conversations with in private chat, and and I hear this all the time. And you know, eventually. And we just never know when, but that person will be presented to us. It's up to us to be aware enough to recognize it. And that's that's all of the advice I have to give. But don't stop being who you are. And I'm sorry that it's painful to keep meeting these women, but those women have not gotten the therapy that they need to get through the abuses they've suffered, so they keep projecting it onto other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Does that make sense, Bob? And have you got a comment back? Well, I'm a former Marine. I'm just starting to get to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm starting to get to like, feel like I'm pushed to the very edge here. And the next step is going to be, uh, you know, me starting to like, you know, just do the wrong thing, <laughs> which I don't want to <laughs> do. But it's like nothing else works. Nothing. No, don't, 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 don't let it do that to you. Try to find some things that. that it's not that I don't you. let it do. It's not about me letting it do that to me. It's what I've seen and what I've experienced. I don't know how to discount that. I just, I don't, I don't know how to turn that off. I really don't, because I, I, in my mind, I'm very logical. You know what I mean? I'm real good mm-hmm. with computers, real good with music, real good with math. So I'm very, very logical. Mm-hmm. And after 
you know, more than 35 years of evidence, <laughs> it's hard to, for me to sit there and like, okay, here's a mountain of empirical evidence saying one thing, but then this fluffy feel-good thought form stuff, on the other hand, is supposed to be something else. And I'm like, I don't know how to overcome the mountain of evidence. I just don't. I'm honest and man enough to say it. I've never been able to do it. And I feel like the universe or God or whatever you call it, I don't even know. Um, I just feel like it's putting me through some outrageously long torture test of faith or whatever you call it that I am never going to pass. Bob, that's what I feel that. like. Well, that's what so, I feel like. I just, but sometimes, Bob, and, and I can actually go with this because I have the same thing, Sometimes when we are finding loads of negative, we end up putting negative vibes out ourselves. And then Absolutely. we end up collecting more negative because negative attracts negative. So have you sort of gone on the idea that you're not going to find anybody nice because there isn't anybody? Have you just got that? And please don't take this wrong, na- wrong way, but have you seen, do you feel like you've took on this negative attitude of I'm never going to find anybody nice because there isn't one? I mean... I don't sit there and say never because that's, a, you know, I don't think that, like, I can sit there and say, like I said earlier, I know this is painting with an awfully broad brush. And I know that not every single woman is stupid. I know that every single woman doesn't want to get beat up. Nobody wants to, obviously, uh, logically want to get beat up. Nobody. So I don't believe it's like every single woman, you know what I mean? But it's just that, you know... Is you've got this mountain of evidence, and then the positive stuff never shows up to counterbalance it. It's like it's too much of a struggle, man. This has been going on forever, and I'm man enough to admit that I, you know, I just can't figure it out. I've never gotten it right, and you know, it, it just gotten to the point where yeah, now I start starting to feel like the universe, spirit, whatever you call it, maybe doesn't want me to get this right, or maybe just wants me to be down and out my whole life. And so it's really not about even women. It's really more like I'm fighting. I'm really fighting mad at whatever the universe is or whatever the spirit is because I've been trying to take the high road and ask or prayer or whatever, try to take the high road, don't get down and dirty, don't smack nobody around when they're disrespecting me. And this goes for men too, you know, and as far as just having a respect, you know, level of, of time or whatever it is between people. And, and I don't take the low road. I don't get down and dirty when, you know, I'm a trained killer, you know, and it's, it's just like, I just feel like no matter what I say to the universe, it's not listening and doesn't give a shit about me. That's just the way I feel. So it's not even really about women. It's deeper than that. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm fighting God here. Can I ask you a question, Bob? Sure, go ahead. Um, have you have you talked to a therapist or gone in and dealt <laughs> and and just and spent time talking about this with someone who comes from a professional side on how to get you to maybe look at what you're what you're going through and what you're feeling, especially uh, being a Marine as long as you have and seeing the death and destruction that you have. And I know that a lot of guys are really resistant to it, but I can't express enough how amazing it is to actually go through that process of letting that entire wall fall to and then building back up. I I know it's it's a really hard thing to even contemplate if you've never been open to it. But I my suggestion would be that you go and talk to somebody about everything that you've been through, 
And there could be some things that you're just not seeing because you have those tapes playing over and over again in your head, and they're not they're just playing repeat, 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 and they're not going anywhere. And I'm, an, I'm a huge advocate of writing. Um, I've written my life story, and i got to tell you, it was probably the most cathartic thing I've ever done. And I don't harbor any anger, any animosity, any hate. I've forgiven everyone and everything for what's happened to me. And it took a lot for me to give in and actually go get therapy. It was I was resistant to it for years, and it was probably the best thing I ever did. It just totally opened up the entire, you know, and and all I can say is that might be one thing that you may want to try and see if there's something that you're just not seeing because you, you, it's hard to be um, unbiased and objective when we're dealing with our own stuff. A lot of times it does take someone who absolutely knows nothing about you to learn about you to be able to point things out that we're missing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who can afford, you know, whatever they charge a hundred bucks an hour. And plus, I do you, mean, do you have any? Do you have any kind of insurance right now? No, I got nothing. No okay, health insurance, none of that. I didn't have insurance. What I did when I came and, back and even to if America, I did, I don't think I'd go because I mean that kind of stuff takes years and costs an arm and leg. It's like no, I, no honey, I went for life long. I went for five months, and I was able to go through a community center for fifteen dollars a pop. And I saw a graduate student from the from the local university and their doctorate getting their doctorate in psychology. And I got to tell you, this person was probably better than any therapist I had seen in the past um, because they weren't uh, practiced, I guess you could say. Um, there are resources out there through, like, the Jewish community centers, the, the church community centers where you can sign up and they will – let you pay whatever you can afford. I could have paid five bucks a pop, but I didn't want to. You know, I could afford fifteen, so I paid fifteen a pop to go to their funding, and I went for five months, and it helped me through my near-death experience and my heartbreak. And I can't tell you. I mean, I'm just. I like I said, I was sitting on my bed with my twenty-two. That's how sad and depressed I was, and I was like. Fuck this! Pardon my French, but I wasn't gonna—I wasn't gonna let all my years go to hell and take my own life just because I was feeling that sad and alone, you know. And I, you know, I don't want to project my experiences onto you. I can only share how it helped me. And I got to tell you, it totally brought me out of that cloud of. De- of sadness. I never took an antidepressant. I wouldn't go on medication. I wasn't going to become part of that system. And it helped me see some things that I hadn't seen about myself that I thought I had figured out. And it brought me to a whole other level of self-awareness and understanding that I'm drawing people to me that I would have never thought I would. People with great energy, people who are loving and kind, who see the best in me. And I think that it's it's worth a try. I mean, it's something you can contemplate. I'm not going to say that you're wrong if you decide not to, but it is a tool that you, if you truly want to get to the root of why you keep meeting the people you do and the reason that you're having a hard time feeling like the universe is is, is not opening up in the way that you need it to, you got to take accountability and responsibility and say, well, what is it I'm not doing that I can do to make something change in my life, you know, because you, you've you got a huge gift to be giving to the world, 
and because you're feeling the way that you do, no one's getting to experience it. Yeah, I, I just find it funny that, you know, it's like uh it's like kinda like blaming the victim of a rape for, for the rapist and it's like I understand. I understand. It's not the you know, it's like them. these the women are the ones that need therapy. Why's a good man got to go to therapy because of these stupid women? It's all backwards, man. No, well, I'm, no, not, I'm not in the no, wrong no, here. No. I am not in the oh. wrong here. Hey, it's, Bob, not listen, the, listen. it's not about wrong or right. Bob, can I ask you something? What What was the reason? Was there a reason why you went into the Marines? When you went into the Marines, what was going on in your life at that time? Uh. At the time, I was like, uh, you know, young. I was only 19 years old. I, I just to uh, find, you know, some direction in life, find like, um, go see the world, serve my country, you know, get get some benefits, and and also get some, you know, they were the toughest. It was also like testing myself, and just a bunch of different reasons, you know, education reasons as well, um, stuff like that. And I knew they were the best. I wanted to be part of the best. Yeah. I think yeah. Marines rock, by the way. I really do. With that? I, think I think Marines are like, I don't know. I love Marines. I think they rock. You guys, <laughs> you guys, go, through, you guys go through a gamut of stuff that people would just never even be able to identify with. And it really tests everything about who you are as a human being. I mean, there's not one aspect of your character, your body, your mental status, and your emotions that's not put to the test. And yeah. I think that that's... It's a gift. If you can get through that, you should be revering yourself as, a, as an amazing man, as a man who's like, wow, look at what I've done. Look at what I've been Once able to get through. Mm-hmm. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah, that's true. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's, you're a man. You're good. That's a good thing. Semper Fi. Yeah, and, it, you know, and I haven't, haven't, hadn't gone through that, I probably would have snapped a long time ago or become one of those wife beaters. There's somebody in your chat who's being real disrespectful to um, – to uh, veterans and saying they're brainwashed and stuff. And, what? And you are, yeah, there's somebody in there saying that. And I, you know, whoever's saying that, you are dead wrong. How are you brainwashed after three, three, three months of boot camp where you get taught to adapt to all situations? Let me ask you this. Who's really brainwashed? Somebody goes through 12 years of education, then four years of college with Marxist professors? That's who's brainwashed, not veterans. That's very yeah. disrespectful. Yeah. I seem to think, Bob, right, and I and I I mean I love all my spiritual stuff, right, and I'm I'm getting from you that something happened during the end of your school time before you went into the Marines, and it's like you wanted something to be able to gain a respect, and you've you've got it from all of us. Never mind stupid comments in the chat room. Ignore that. But I'm talking about at the end of the day. We respect you. The people in uniform deserve respect because you fought for our countries in various different ways. And at the end of the day, you've. I, but I do believe that you went into them, in, into that for a reason. I think there was something that I wouldn't say you walked away from, but you wanted to better yourself because of it. I'm sorry, Sagan. I'm sorry. I feel that you actually didn't walk away from something during, I'm going to say, school time and after school, but you wanted to better yourself because of it. And that was around the end where you were leaving school and going into the Marines. 
There was something you, I'm not going to say you're walking from it, you weren't walking from it, but there was something you wanted to better yourself because of it. You, he, it sounds I can to feel me like it in your just, stomach. I, I can feel it in your stomach because you've got, I can feel that you've got butterflies that are making your stomach churn right now. I can feel it. I know I'm right. Tell well, me I'm wrong. The thing that makes my stomach turn is uh, people when they they uh, when they don't when they don't have respect. You know, you don't have to put anything in the plus column. No, just no, kiss please. my butt. You don't have to give me anything. Just just don't go in the negative column. Just keep it a zero sum game. But people always tend to mistake kindness weakness and they put stuff in the negative column. That's what makes my stomach hey, turn. But do you know what, Bob? Hold a minute. Let's just remember though. You're saying about women all the time. Men can give negative comments out, too. This, this is a sign of the world. This is not just women. It's not just men. People are, are in a negative state at the moment. Well, you listen to a show on a Saturday when, when we do about, hey, Mr. Government, which I yeah. know that you would be able to take part of. At the end of the day, you know yourself that the world is in a negative place. Look at the bombings that's going on. Look at all the other things that's going on in the world. The world is in a negative place because people are being forced to be negative. That's that's not just about women. That's not just about blokes. That's everybody. We all get negative places. We we're all. I'm sure or every single one of us listening to this show tonight, at some point during today, has had a negative thought. Okay, all of us. But I'm still going to go back to you and say that you went into the Marines for a reason to better yourself because something happened to you at the end of your school or be, begin just after school. Something happened. I'm not, I don't know what it is, but there's something that made you want to better yourself to, and went to the Marines. Well, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to better myself, but, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly what that thing that happened was. I mean, I know in high school I, didn't, I felt like a failure with women. The same thing was happening back then. Jerks were the ones that women loved, and nice, nice guys finished last, you know, the whole nine yards. That was no different back then. That was like the start of it all, probably. You just need to change your thought. You just How? need to look at these women and How? look at the fact that you, you just need to look. You need to look at those women and think that is their loss. Well, if, that's, if that's all that they are willing to accept, let them have that. You don't want somebody that's just going to accept second best. You want somebody that looks at you and ex- respects you for being the best man that you are. Somebody that looks right. at you and is proud of you for what you achieved. Right. So don't go but, taking second best. Okay, okay, they can go with you. They they dump that that, that weirdo-looking bloke that's going to smack them around the chops. Yeah, they'll dump him. They'll come to you. Do you really want to take a second best? Me personally, no, if I see if I see a guy that's choices? worked his backside where's off, if I see a guy that's worked his backside off and he's gone to the military and he's worked hard and he's got there, I would want you to have the best, not the second best. Absolutely. Right. Of course, I agree with you 100%, but where's the good choice? So just be patient. It will come. Rome wasn't built in a day. No war What are you supposed to do? Won? Wait till you're 90? You're supposed to wait till you're 95 in God's good time? Blah, blah, blah? I know, 15, I, know 15, I know 15 guys that did not live to be 40 years old. They're dead. They're dead. So, so be grateful that you're alive. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be with a woman. You you should be living 40 lives then. You should be getting out there and go and live it to the absolute max. It doesn't have to be with a woman. 
You've got so much to give. It doesn't have to be to a woman. You've got to be you for you. You've got to go and live your life with 40 people because, like you just said, they're not here. They, all them people that have lost their lives, they would give anything to be back. I do live my life. I do the best I can. I do every day. That's all I can do. I'm not sitting here, sitting at home, oh, woe is me. But in this one area of my life, I see that it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Right, okay, i tell you what I'm going to do. If there's anybody listening who think this guy is absolutely a beautiful guy, and I didn't say nice. <laughs> oh, I'm a sorry, cow, sorry. <laughs> right. yeah, I'm not, I'm if not nice. Anybody, right, what area do you live in, Bob? D.C., Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, if anybody lives, and I'm no good on these states and places, so if you live anywhere near there... You can email me, asksueshow at gmail.com. If you think that you could uh, maybe go on a date with this guy, or you, uh, but excuse me, we don't need anybody that wants to have a slap. We don't want anybody that's got massive attitude. Um, we need somebody that's going to respect this guy, okay? No stupid people, please. Um, somebody with no a, um, a brain. People. No selfish okay? people either. No selfish no um, and you will be going through a questionnaire before you even get to Bob, because me and Kathy will make sure we go through a questionnaire before you even reach to him. Does that sound okay, Bob? Is that See, I, need, I, need, I need to take you guys wherever I go. You can be my wingman and my um, <laughs> my enforcers. My, you would, my you enforcers. would be the envy, darling. You would be the envy of every man in that room and every woman too. Believe me, we would take good care of you, and only the best would survive that night. Only the we best would, woman. We would be vetting. We would be vetting those women that we uh, decided to let talk to you, and if they didn't pass our criteria, they're out the door. Good. That's, what I, that's what I need. I, I need a gang of women to, to guard me. Bob's Angels. Bob's Angels. With the three of us right here, Bob's Angels. If I was still, if I was in Bowie, Maryland, and I liked boys, I would be hitting you up for a date right about now. <laughs> hey, Bob, do you like older women? Wait a minute. Okay. If Bob's Angels are off here, hey, Bob, you like older women? Blonde, blue-eyed, very sweet, country girl. <laughs> I'm relocatable, okay? Well... Is, is my posse is my is my posse going to be armed? Hey, I have to... we'll talk about that out there, okay? I do believe in the Second Amendment. <laughs> I got, I got you guys are... yeah, yeah, we're all good there. Oh, you. Oh, it gets on the show. <laughs> normally, well, normally on Saturday, Sue and I do a, a global government show. And um, I um, I do a lot of research for that show, and I think if you tune in uh, next Saturday or the Saturday after, you would really enjoy the show, being a Marine, and I think that you would have a lot to contribute to our show because we are very uh, pro-American, we are very um, very patriotic and very respectful of the men and women who served and who died for our country. And I personally want to thank you on behalf of all Americans. And, and I, I am respect. Exactly. I respect you to earn. You deserve that. You've got my respect, my friend. Well, I thank you. That our government is so manipulative, and I'm sick of them. I honestly think that all of our troops at war need to come home, and they need to be, need to be given good jobs 
the care that they need, and we need to let these other countries fight their own battles for a while because absolutely close our borders down for a while, bring our troops home, close our borders down, take care of our own. Exactly. Well, you know, and I hate to say it, it's like you know we have troops still in Germany. What the hell do we have troops in Germany for? Why? Why do we have? Why are our guys manning the South Korean border? Let the South Koreans deal with the, the North Koreans. You know why? Exactly. Our guys at risk all the time. Why have we lost so many lives? Because our government has an agenda and they manipulate the people. Our government does not work for us anymore. And I'm telling you, there's there's a lot of people that are ready. I'm I'm. I don't trust my government at all anymore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They're not trustworthy. They lie all the time. That's again. How are you going well, to tr- you know, trust somebody that always lies to you? You can't. It's why impossible. Why are we still in Afghanistan fighting a war of the Taliban? We should have gone in there, bombed them all, gotten rid of them all, and come home. Well, you know, that wouldn't have been politically correct, you know. So. Well, no, and there's no money. There's money, there's money in having war. There's a lot of money in war. There certainly is. Yeah. Speaking of it's money, a- I want Speaking of money, I want to throw something out to y'all that I found out this afternoon, and I want y'all's opinion on this. I got an article this afternoon. I'm about to pull it up on my Facebook page and share it with you guys. Um, the two Boston bombers, the two brothers, yeah, and their and their families have been living off of the welfare system the entire time they've been in the country. Our taxpayer dollars have been going to these people to support them and to pay pay. Their life, pay for their livelihood. They're living off of our government services system. Well, so are twenty, so are twenty million illegal immigrants from Mexico too. So I mean, right. I, we're, we're financing, we're financing our own demise. It's a bunch of manipulation. It's very devious and insidious. Mm-hmm. Well, and why, why are we still pressing one for English in my country? It's like, hello. What country do you live in? You come to this country, you learn the language. On the other hand, our government does this because it's a way of controlling and manipulating the populace. Mm -hmm. If they don't reform the immigration laws, then they can continue dictating to us what happens and what goes on. We, the people, don't have a say anymore. We don't. Our word means nothing. And we keep voting these sons of bitches into office. And I'm sorry, we need an average Joe to be running the country. They all Absolutely. It's exactly the same in the UK. Exactly the same in the UK. You guys are worse off over there. Oh, Jesus, don't even start me off. Don't even it's start tr- me off. It's We've true. got every single language you can possibly think of in the UK. They look at us and think we're weird because we're speaking English. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll be honest here. I, I usually do not like politics, but I see clearly what who, who whose fault it is. It's white liberals. Because they're the ones who sit there talk about how wonderful multiculturalism. But I notice here in Baltimore and D.C., there's no white liberals living in East Baltimore or in Southeast D.C. or um, in South Bronx, New York, or in East L.A. They all live in gated communities. They've all used capitalism to become filthy rich. They're Learjet liberals, and yet they will try to impose socialism on the rest of us. They're hypocrites. And that, that goes for the right as well, because somewhere in the middle is the people that we want, you know, and that's unfortunate, but, you know. But cons- conservatives aren't posing and saying that these these horrible uh, neighborhoods are wonderful multicultural Valhalla. It's white liberals well, that are not. doing that. 
Yeah, but the right, but the conservatives basically ignore it, and that's as much a problem as those that are advocating for it. In my no, opinion, they, if they ignore it, it's because of the political correctness that's been imposed. It's a psychological warfare that the left has imposed on society. Basically, it's a tool to shut you up to not say, "Oh, that neighborhood's full of trash," or "That neighborhood's full of half full of boarded up houses." There's a lot of crime going on in there. You can't say the true facts because that's racist. And that's just psychological warfare. I was just going to say that. If you say anything like that, then you're a racist. And it's like, I don't have a problem with people coming to this country. What I have a problem with is that they're not being vetted and they're not going through the process. They're not paying their dues. They're not paying their dues. And, you know, we have a border border for a reason. No other country in the world can you go and cross a border and stay there indefinitely, reap all the benefits, and not be deported. And, 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 yes, all the benefits and the government services and tax dollars that we're paying in every single year. And there's, there's I mean, McKenna, there's going to be nothing left for us. And we're just That's a few years away here, you know? Exactly. I know, I know. But there's not, if if we have, if we reform our policies and make it, work so that when the people do come mm-hmm. here, they're paying taxes, they're accountable, we have them on record, and we have a percentage that are allowed in every year because people do die. So there's a there's a way to do it the way we used to do it in the old days. When if you got I lived I lived three miles from San Ysidro growing up and I remember when they used to call them wetbacks they would come over the border. The cops would go. Gra- the cops would go grab them, throw them in the back of their t- car, and take them mm-hmm. their asses back over the border. They were mm-hmm. not. They didn't put up with that shit when I was growing up in the '60s down there. That could not happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's. And now we have. And but at the same time, look at look at what's going on in Mexico. You've got a, such a corrupt government in with the cartel. Until that government fixes itself, Mexico can be just like America. It can have all the agriculture and all of the That's commerce funny. that we have here if it wasn't corrupt. And people would not need to come here Everybody because they would corrupt. be a worker. You know? I mean, Mexico yeah. can be just as prosperous as America if the corrupt government and the cartel were to be disseminated and rebuilt on, you know, integrity and and uh, mm-hmm. transparency. Just that it, it's just you know, and you've got Calderon coming over here and speaking mm-hmm. in front of our countrymen and telling us mm-hmm. it's our fault for the guns, it's our fault for this, and it's like you know what? It's both countries' fault that you are in bed with the cartel. You're a lying sack of shit, and you don't care about your people because if you did, you'd wipe out your cartel with your armies and your navies, and you'd wipe them out, and you'd get their asses all in jail. No one would be on the take, and then you could start building your country back up so your people didn't feel like they had to flee. Do you think people want to die in the desert getting to America so they can actually feed their families? I mean, I feel for these people. It's not their fault they're born in Mexico. I don't want to hate people coming over here. I just don't want my benefits depleted because we don't have the balls to stand on our own two feet and say, hey, no more. Why are, what, you know, I would love to see 10 million Americans go down to the border with their guns and stand there and then see what the fucking U.S. government's going to do about it. It pisses me off. I can't even tell you. I have a painting business, and I've been impacted. I, labor industry impacted huge in this country because we got contractors hiring cheap labor who don't speak yeah. English and take work away from people like me. 
and the sheetrocker and the roofer and the cider and the you know and every other aspect of labor. And people say you won't clean toilets. I'll clean toilets for a living. I don't give a shit. I'll pick crops. But you don't want me. You want people that you can manipulate who don't speak the language that you can pay under the table so you don't have to pay taxes. That's exactly right. It's American companies that are causing the problem as well. If they quit hiring these people, where would they work? Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's exactly the same thing in the U.K., exactly the same. And, And also... Here, they are actually given benefits, like child benefits and all sorts, right? Uh-huh. And do you know what? Say the husband's here in the U.K., he's actually sending money and claiming money off the U.K. and sending it abroad to their family over there. Of course. That, that's what it is here. It's the very same thing. Very same thing. And here in the United what States, if you come in from another country and you open a business, the first five years, you don't pay federal taxes. At the end of five years, you give it to another family member. Five more years, there's no federal taxes. Do you know how much plus all the money they're spending out of this country that they're making every week on these businesses? I'm not going to name any nationalities, but they're hard workers, and they make good money in these businesses, and they send the money right out. Oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Your name's not Jose. You don't get to do lawns in America anymore. I mean, it's really sad. I mean, the, the, the white person or the American person or whatever. We have the same problem back in the early 80s with Asians. And I'm not trying to be, it's not a racist statement, but people from Asian countries flooded our country as well as Islamic countries had a ton of people coming mm-hmm. to our college back in the early mm-hmm. 80s. I, mean, I lived in the city, downtown Portland, and we had so many people from Islamic countries going to Portland State. And, you know, and I'm in the Northwest. And we're, we have 309 million illegal immigrants, or 309,000 309, illegal immigrants in the state of Oregon alone. Holy now you, cow. You've got a billion plus in the state of California. Now, you look at, when, they, when, the, when the lefties try to tell you, the far, I'm talking on the far left, are always saying, oh, there's about 5, maybe 10 million here illegally. No, it's a more oh. of... 20 million to 30 million people here living off of our benefits. I couldn't get Social Security disability when I fell and almost died and broke seven bones because they said I wouldn't be out of work for a full 12 months. But if I was pregnant, had a couple kids, and didn't speak the language, I would have gotten financial help from my government. Now, how wrong is that? I've been paying into the system since 1976, and I could not get anything but food stamps. And I could only get $200 a month. So, yeah, our system's broken. And, Bob, did we lose you, honey? No, I'm here. Okay. You want to... Debbie, <laughs> That's good I'm, blessing. <laughs> anyway, I mean, we could... This is, this is like... I mean, we can go on and on. And, and the reason I don't voice a lot of my political beliefs on Facebook because of my animal rights activism is because so many ARAs... They are just as bad as being non-vegan and non-animal rights activists. They they fall into that pattern of complacency where oh well if it's you know if I'm an animal rights activist then I got to be a far lefty. So they just go along with whatever's politically comfortable in that Ooh. way of thinking. They don't they they aren't mm-hmm. critical thinkers. They don't discern and break down an issue. It's like sometimes I fall on the right, sometimes I fall on the left, sometimes I fall in the middle, depending on what right. the issue is. Right, you can't. I'm the same way. I'm sorry, honey? I'm the same way, issue to issue. But I, I, mean, I see like this. 
they play they play this racial division card. To, to me, I see that as the most dangerous, divisive. Um, it, it's basically uh, it's going to result in a lot of people getting hurt because you're going to have people who are like just thinking race war stuff or whatever, and then innocent people are going to get hurt who have nothing to do with that. And it's all just designed to tear us apart and. Exactly. And it doesn't help anything. It's not helping Great Britain right now. And it's not helping the United States right now either. I call it reverse. I call it reverse racism, because what they've oh. done is they keep, they keep dropping the race word all the time, no matter what you say. That mm-hmm. it's got everybody tiptoeing around anything that they want to say. No one can speak their mind without being feared. You know that they're going to be labeled as a racist, and it's ridiculous. Right. But I, right. I tend to be a bit politically correct when it comes to Facebook, and I just don't go there very often because mm-hmm. my focus on Facebook is helping animals and educating people on absolutely, on absolutely. So I choose my battles wisely. Um, I think in my fifty, almost fifty-two years of living, I'm if I've learned anything, it's know when to speak on something and know when it can just. If I see someone being, you know, outright wrong about something, I'll Google and I'll copy and paste facts and Absolutely. add my own and give them the information. Yeah. Say, look, this is why I don't agree with you. I don't tell people that they're wrong as much as I just give them the facts that they can't deny. And right. usually they hightail it and they run away because they can't defend their position because they're basing their position mostly off of emotion. And mm-hmm. right. right. You have to be a critical thinker. And you have to be in your intellect when it comes to these issues. If we're all emotional all the time, all you do is feeling things. You're not thinking things. You got to you got to do both. But you have to be a critical thinker first. Sure, there's always an underlying emotion around everything because we're human. But in order to move a process or an issue forward and find resolve to it, you have to be in your intellect. And too many people yeah. just aren't. And that's so frustrating for me. I find that all the time. Right, I'm no. just going to have to interrupt because yeah. we've got another caller waiting online. So let me just fetch, um, let me see who we are. Uh, area code 978. Hi, welcome to the show. Oh, damn. Hi, Sue. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I- I'm okay. Is that Sherry? Yes. You weren't supposed to pick oh, me up. Oh, big hugs. How are you doing, listening. love? I'm Sherry. It's the only way I get sound is I have to call in. Oh, well, we don't mind you having a natter with us at the same time. Well, I don't want to waste time of other people calling in. You're not wasting time. No, not at all you're not wasting time. So nice to hear your voice. I love you. (laughs) We love you too. Now, how do I speak to you? Obviously, um, just to let you know, McKenna, this is, um, and Bob, this is Sherry. This is the lady that um, son Jamie committed suicide at 31. We were talking about him earlier on in the show. Yeah. Hi, honey. Hi. And so I how's am... things going, Sherry? You doing okay? I'm doing okay, Sue. Hanging in there. Yeah, I know that feeling well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any tips for Bob, Sherry? Oh, poor Bob. Aww. My son-in-law is going through the same thing. I mean, he's in so much denial. Like, obviously he has PTSD, and it, I don't know how to explain it. Now, you're My, saying that Bob, Bob's in denial and he's got post-traumatic stress disorder, you think? Yeah. 
And Bob, what do you think about that? No, I don't feel that way at all. I don't have PTSD because I never. How can I was, you not, Bob? <laughs> from life, Bob, you mean? I have it. I have it from domestic violence, and what you went through is a world apart from what I went through. And what I went through was bad enough, and I'm dealing with it seven years later. I've been sitting here listening to you, and my heart's breaking for you because I know you are such a good man, and there's there's just there's there's an anger in you that I had to deal with. Believe me, I, I hated the world. I, I hated, oh, I would get so angry. And honestly, Sue's still helping me, helping me work through the back end on it. Our friendship is very, very strong. And Sue has a lot of wise words, and she's helped me a great deal. But, Bob, if you can get some kind of conversation going with a professional, I really think you would find things out about yourself. I mean, nothing changes, sweetheart, till something changes. When you guys say PTSD, you don't mean comment. You mean by whatever experience of personal life? That would... well, you're, you're a veteran, right? You're a Marine. Yeah, I'm a veteran. But, I mean, you're, you're, talking, seen anyone you're, not talking about, you're not talking about combat. You're talking about from you, like, personal no, experiences? No. It, Have you ever experienced anyone dying? Hold on. Hold on. Sherry, go on. No. You say what you were going to say. Have you ever experienced seeing someone die? Have I? Yes, I have. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you know how, like, to... Oh, that is just, like, so... I don't even have the words for it. My son-in-law, okay, three tours in the war. He killed a guy with a flashlight. He's he's talked about it. He's examined it. He's looked at it. He's told us about it. You don't think that makes him a different person? Of course it does. When my son committed suicide, my son-in-law's PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder, caused him to want to commit suicide. He tried to hang himself at the funeral parlor. It's what happens. You can't go through what you've been through and not experience pain and suffering. And that's what makes you who you are and what you are. And I love you. And I would do anything to make it better for you. You're going to make me cry right now. You know what, Bob? Don't you see that she actually speaks the truth? And she, I'll tell you what, you won't get a more honest lady than Sherry. I can say that and on art. And, and she is absolutely right. She is 100% right. 100%. I don't I mean to hurt anyone or embarrass anyone or anything. But I get it. So, okay. Sherry, what, what I'm hearing Sherry tell tell you, Bob, is that even though in your mind you seem like you've you've dealt with it and you're okay with it and you've processed that, there is a subconscious area of what you've experienced that's basically causing you the distress that you're feeling, and it's it's hard to be objective with the self because 
you're because you are who you are. I mean, it's really hard for us to step out of ourselves and say, well, this is what I see. Oh, okay, this is why I'm feeling this way or this is why I see things the way that I do. I I I think it's possible that you are, you know, harboring um unintentionally that subconscious pain and anger from what you had to go through and what you had to see. And you haven't talked about it probably with anyone and worked through, and you probably don't even realize that that's what's causing this underlying um, energy that's making you so uncomfortable with the world as it is. And I'm not saying that the world's not fucked up because it is, but at the same time, you don't have to be fucked up in it, if that makes any sense. And I'm not saying you're fucked up, but I'm just saying, and pardon my French, I just, it, it's just, it, I know, I know. We're all saying, fucked up. It's hard, it's hard to, to look in the mirror. I'm the kind of person that I say, if you can look in the mirror and say, I love you to yourself, then you're pretty much, you've got, you're, you got it going on. You've got, you've been able to actually, if you can look at your own eyes and stare at yourself in the mirror and say, I love who you are, then, then you've dealt with your stuff. But if you can't do that, then there's things that you need to deal with. And only you have the power to take control of that. But you would be empowered to actually be humble to that degree to say, you know what, maybe I do need to talk to somebody. Maybe I do need to see what's going on and find a way to see the best in the world, even though it's falling apart around us. And being an animal rights activist, I see the worst of the worst, animals being skinned alive, animals being stomped on to death. I've seen so much horror. My friends always ask me, how come you're not angry all the time? And I said, because I choose not to be. Because I care about myself too much to let myself become inactive emotionally by letting that stuff get to me. So I compartmentalize it, but I process it by writing poetry, by, you know, by talking to people, by getting it out. I don't have Mm -hmm. any tapes to play over and over again in my head. And that's something that my therapist taught me years ago when I first went to deal with my childhood abuse was that I kept playing those tapes over and over again in my head. And once I learned how to play the tape to the end and then toss it, that was the process of therapy. It was getting through each of those tapes and learning how to process through that pain and letting it go and realizing that it wasn't my fault, you know, and that's just my experience. But there's more about you that we aren't going to get in this phone call today. But what you can take away with you, Bob, is the fact that you have the ability to change what's going on in your world. And you now have new friends that you can call in and talk to anytime you want on Facebook or on women? the phone. You know, you've got a- <laughs> I love you, Bob. You know, that that are willing, to, that want to listen, that want to help, because this is what's wrong with society. We don't take the time to talk to each other. How many That's times cool. do you walk down the street mm-hmm. and have people, I, I make a point of saying hi to everyone I run by on my runs, or when I'm walking my dog, I say hi to everyone I walk by. It doesn't matter if they don't say hi to me. I don't personalize it. But you never know who you're going to touch. What if that person's contemplating suicide walking home? They've had the worst of the worst day. They are hating life. They're at their their wit's end, and all it took was one person saying, hey, I hope you're having a good day, or hi, how are you? That made them realize, wow, someone paid attention to me. You never know what effect you can have, and I would rather write on the side of being the one that can affect someone in such a positive way 
than to not be. And that comes from dealing with my personal stuff and making sure that I'm healthy in mind, body, and soul and that what I present to the world is a gift of who I am. And then I'm not walking around feeling angry and upset and pissed off because i got to tell you, with what I've seen and I'm sure with what you've seen, you have every right to be pissed off. But we have choice. What God gave us, the best gift he ever gave us was decision, the decision to be or not to be, to choose to be angry or not to be angry. It's all up to us to make the yeah. decision, you know, to deal with our stuff. And all of us, I mean, I'm not perfect. I've got little issues here and there. But you know what? They're not prominent enough to be a huge effect in my life, and they don't change the way that I deal with other people, you know. But i got to tell you, I think that there's every opportunity for you to think about everything that you've heard today and how it's made you feel and 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 take a look at your humility and, and where you reside in that because, to me, humility is a gift. It, integrity and humility are the two key gifts that we have because if we have those things, we'll never be narcissistic and we'll always follow th- we'll always follow through and be who we are. Yeah. You know, I can, I can honestly right. say, man, looking at it, it's like I, I, I am a pretty humble person, and it's just like when you're humble, it's like it's, you know, people have a tendency to mistake your kindness for weakness and try to get over or work you or you know do something, and then what you guys are coming in on, on or what you're hearing is the tail end, and it's like you know I'm sitting there saying enough's enough, man, I'm not going to take it no more, and and you know. I'm going I'm well, to stand you, up for myself. Yeah, but and I'm do, not, do you know, know what, though, Bob? That, that goes to, even me and Kathy can take part of that. That happens to us all the time. We, we do the show, right, one, well, every, say, six, every six, six out of seven days of the week, right, we do a show, okay? And do you know what? We get people that take the mick out of us, and, you know, they're all nice to you, and you're all fine, and then as soon as they finish with you, you're done, and they don't even bother to message you on Facebook or do anything. But that's life. That that Bob, please mm-hmm. don't think that that is just you. That's that is life, that's what too. the world is like at the minute. That's life. Yeah, I'm, I'm just life. saying that you know that, that I you know I, I feel that I am pretty much a humble person, and I do have some kind of ethics here. You know, I'm, I don't stab people in the back. I don't steal from my friends and and all that other crap that you know some other lowlifes will do or whatever. I never cheated on a woman. Mm-hmm. But you know? Bob, your anger, your anger is like. Phew. Yeah, I am angry. Sure, I admit it. Phew. You know? Yeah. I admit it. Nobody, yeah, I'm angry. It's not attracting anybody. Well, but you know what? I'm right now. You know, I've I've just got my guard up so high now. You I'm know, angry like, too. I'm angry too. But we're but we're all. I'm angry, angry that we're my son-in-law had to like kill somebody with a flashlight, and I'm angry that my son committed suicide, and I'm angry about a lot of things, but, sweetie, life goes on. Oh, I don't know how to, how else to explain that. Mm-hmm. And how do we but, get Jenny, on? We're all angry, aren't we? We're all angry yes. for all different yes. kinds of reasons. All of us. And yes. how do we get on? How do we? Do you, do you know what we do? Do you know what? If if it does, if this hasn't taught us all of us something today, the one thing it should have taught us is that we need to start helping each other. The one yes. thing that this world is short of right now is love, compassion, and connection. Mm-hmm. That is what this world is short yes. of right now. It's about people being there for each other 
on their down days to pick them up, put them. We, I said this only on the show the other night. You know, the old person that falls in the street. Once upon a time, people used to run to help them up. Now they'll walk over the top and mill around them. And this is just exactly. what the world has changed. But it's only us sort of people that need to stand together and say, do you know what, I've had enough of this. This isn't what the world is about. This is, it's about sharing love to each other and helping people like Bob and people that are having a down day and helping them back mm-hmm. up and saying, right, mate, what can we do to help you out here? What, what, what's the problem? How can we help you? Absolutely. And I think that's why I went on my rant. I just wanted to show Bob that, like, I have a lot to be angry about, too, but I love God. I love my world. And I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I just made a really good friend today, Emma. How lucky (laughs) is that? I mean, seriously... How lucky am I? <laughs> she's wonderful, too. <laughs> <laughs> she is. And she's and Emerson's daughter. <laughs> and she's and my daughter. Anybody's wondering, it, it, Emma is my daughter, and uh, <laughs> she's a little star. She's in the chat room, and, uh, yeah, she's got a heart of gold, bless it. And one thing I want to say about my kids, even though they're naughty and they play me up, They've always got respect for their elders, and if they haven't, they get certainly get sorted out accordingly, and they'll always try and help everybody out. And that's what the world is short of, and that's what we need to be starting to change this world into. Absolutely. Brianna's right. Facebook is, Sorry. like, private, <laughs> but I will get to her, and I will make sure she makes Emma a friend. <laughs> okay. Because she just, would love my next... granddaughter, Brianna. Right. Just one sec. Let me just get this next caller in. Area code 706. Hi, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Doing good, how are you? Hi, welcome to the show. Okay. Hello. Hi, how are you? Are you okay? Hello. 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 Can you hear us okay? Talk to us. Yes. What's your name? I'm David. Hi, David. Hi, David. How are you doing this evening? Wonderful. How are you doing this evening? What have you got to talk to us about? Do you have a question or something good to tell us? Well, I was listening to that young man there, and about the best thing I can say is, is uh, you know, I've been in the same situation, and the best thing you can do is just put your head down and throw your shoulder against it and, and keep walking and keep your head up. Um. Uh, That's what I do. You know, trust, trust in the Lord, and it'll all work out, brother. Are you, oh, are you sharing with Bob right now? Because maybe Bob, having another male perspective coming in, since you've been dominated by females during this whole call, maybe, I mean, David's <laughs> wonderful. He can offer you um, a male perspective on hearing what you've had to say and, and maybe offer you something that we, we might have missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it goes on all over the world. It's just not up north. It, I, I'm from the southeast, and, uh, you know, it's not just in the north. It's not in the west. It's all over the world, and it basically goes back to the core values of what our country has become nowadays with, that, with taking the Bible and the flag out of schools so forth and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, but about all you can do is just hold your head up, and you know down deep you're a good person. You you made it through the Marines, so forth, so on. Um, 
you're a good person inside, and, and that's what you've eventually got to come to realize because I had to do the same thing. So, um, you know, I know what you're dealing with, Hoss, and it's just sometimes it is the way it is, and like I said, you just got to put your shoulder against it and go on. Yeah. I appreciate so, you calling and, and giving a man's perspective. Bob was needing to hear a guy's voice after the three of us. Well, I, I thought he might need a little help there, you know. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. How about you, Sue? How about you, McKenna? Oh, hell yeah. Bless him. Yeah. What, um, what was that, Sue? What? I said, what do you reckon to it all? Well, if we haven't done anything else, you can't say you haven't been surrounded in women tonight. And even another man's yeah. come to help me out. I mean, flipping heck, you don't get that anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. This is a show about love. Yeah, right. This is a lot of women all at once. Somebody Someone turn their sound down. Okay, uh, this works. This is good. Okay, now we can hear everyone. David, I yeah. have a question <laughs> for you. Um, do you believe that getting professional, someone professional to talk to who can be an objective listener to what Bob has to say? And, and I mean, what's your feelings on that for a guy? Because, you know, a lot of guys are resistant to sharing their emotions and thoughts with someone that they don't know. Women tend to be adaptable um, to that. Possibly it could be a good option for him. Um, it wasn't for me. Um, I personally, you know, just turned the church and, and the good book and, and turned it all over to him. Um, yeah, you, you give it up to God. I do that a lot, too. Him and I talk all the time. I don't go to church, but I talk to Bubba every day. <laughs> well, I just you know, and, uh, it's just sort of a personal feeling there. I mean, he has to make that decision for himself if he feels like he could go and find somebody to open up to and talk to about it. You know, and uh, it don't necessarily have to be uh, professional, even really. Yeah, uh, that's true. Somebody objective, someone who's going to go listen. Bob, I have you know, a question. I'm sorry, David. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, we all just need more friends and be able to take time. For, for each other more often every now and then instead of mm-hmm. life has become nothing but a big rat race mm-hmm. and everybody's chasing their tail everybody's, everybody's chasing their tail that's perfect everybody's chasing their tail that's perfect well and the thing oh. is, is we, do, we do have to take those times where we sit down and we have that we take that uh, com- we have that conversation with ourselves about wh- what's our role and our purpose on this earth what are we here to do Mm-hmm. And that was a huge question for me in the day that I saw the film Earthlings. It was like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you're going to be an activist for those who don't have a voice. And mm-hmm. I never saw that coming. I wasn't even looking to be vegan. I wasn't looking to be an animal rights activist. I just saw a link and I thought, oh, this looks cool. And I clicked on it. Next thing I knew, I was going through my cupboards. I was like literally feeling everything to the bone. And it, it was an epiphany for me. It's like a light bulb moment, and all of a sudden I was like, wow, now I know what my purpose is. Until that day of 
2009, I did not know really why I was here. And it changed every aspect of how I saw myself and my role as a human being amongst 7 billion other people. What can I do to make this a better world? How do I, how do I become the change I want to see in this world? And that's how I live every day. That's how I wake up. What can I do to make someone else's life better? I'm taking care of myself, and it feels, it feels me. And that's, yeah. that's, that's what's kept me sane, and that's why I don't harbor anger, and I don't mm-hmm. walk around angry. I mean, I could be, mm-hmm. but I choose not to be because it doesn't, it's a waste of my energy to be angry at everybody for what they do. I don't like half the shit that goes on in the world, but you know what? What can I refocus my energy on on making it better? What can I do to make one tiny change? I'm a grain of salt in this entire universe. And no one may ever even know when I'm gone what I did, but that's not why I do it. I do it because if anything I do makes a change in one person's life, then I've done good work while I'm here, and I think that's all God would have me do. You know, And I'm I'm not a Bible type person. I don't go to church, and I don't do religion, but I talk to God every day. And when I'm feeling stressed out, I come out on the porch, and I just look up to the sky, and I'm just like, Bubba, and I call him Bubba. Mm I need you to guide me and keep me grounded. I need to make sure that I'm staying true to myself and that what comes out of my mouth is how is it going to serve me to say what I say? How is it going to serve me to behave the way that I do? Because life isn't all about me. It can't be. And that's what God gave us. He gave us free will. That's a huge gift. And too many people don't even use it in the way that it's Sorry, unfortunately we're coming down to the uh, last two minutes of the show. Do you know what? I don't know about everybody else, but does everybody feel like we've really pulled something together tonight? I, I, I'm so I chuffed with tonight's show. I think it's wonderful. It's been a great show. People calling in Definitely. and all these um, thoughts and wonderful. Bob, how are you feeling? Do you think that we may have inspired you at all? And uh, I was going to say to you, have you got a pen handy? Uh, no, but I'm on a computer. I can type something. But, um, yeah, I, uh, are you in the I always room, wanted Bob? to have, like, you know, a gang of chicks following me around in places and stuff and, <laughs> you know, be my little posse where they, like, you know, they were like my filter so there was, like, no bad things happening, you know, to me. That would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, listen. Try and remember, show at gmail.com. That's my email. Give me an email, okay? Okay, sure. At Have you got it? Have you wrote it down? Show at gmail.com. Okay, I got it. Right, give me an email, and then uh, me and Kathy will stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Bob, thank you so yeah. much for calling in, and please, you know, keep an eye on the show and come and join us another time, okay? All right, yeah. thank you. David, David Bob, thank okay, you. I just want to thank Bob for being so honest and being humble and and open enough to allow us to share with you and to share what we think might help and to be receptive of that. You know, that took a lot. Yeah. You thank know, you. It's a big guy Definitely. to be able to sit there and let a bunch of women say, well, this is what I think and this is what I think. You know, a lot of men would have been like, oh, yeah. I don't go with this. And so I really commend you for that. I think it's great. And I think that speaks volumes to the character, the type of person that you are. And David as well yeah. and everyone else. 
It's okay. Uh, thank you very much to David. Thank you, Miss Kenner, for calling thank in as well. Thank you very much, Bob, for calling in. Thank you very much to Sherry as well. And uh, yeah. hope you all have a good night. And thank you very much, Cassie, for co-hosting with me. You're welcome, darling. <laughs> thank you all so okay, much. Good, you good rather. night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, good night. Bye-bye. Nice to meet everyone. You too.